Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. The best betting opportunities, that's plural, opportunities of the year, was on Thursday night. I hope you cashed in. Lindsey Brown will be here in about 20 minutes to preview the Stanley Cup playoffs and Jim Miller on the Derby, which is next Saturday. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Welcome in to another early odds on another Saturday morning. Ever since the Goodell basement draft, when we didn't have actual sporting events to wager on, betting on the NFL draft has gone next level. If you put an ounce of effort into prepping for the draft as a better, it's hard to lose money. It is. There isn't an algorithm to set all the numbers. It's following the available information. It's the one time of the year when I don't mind paying a lot of juice. Because usually it's the right side, even if you're betting late. Some examples. The odds told us it was going to be Walker, Hutchinson, Stingley at the top, and it was. The big movers on overs and unders. Chris Olave's draft position opened at 22.5, was bet down to 16.5. He went 11th. Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame from 5.5. All the way down to 12 and a half. It still went over that closing number at 14. Quarterback numbers kept dropping. All the names at the top went over if you faded the signal callers. And there are a number of players where they were just dead on. Kayvon Thibodeau, the number's four and a half. He's drafted five to the Giants. Wide receiver Garrett Wilson, open 10 and a half, bet down to nine and a half. He went right there in the middle at 10. And how about Jamison Williams? Injury concerns, open 12 and a half, bet down to 11 and a half, Lions trade up and get him at 12. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic when I say it's the best betting opportunities of the year if you're able to take the time. You really don't even have to know that much about college football. It's just keeping up to date with all of the information. So if you take one thing away from this, 
start getting ready to bet on the draft about a month out. You will not be sorry. That's when you start to see these things posted. First week of April, Stingley to go number three overall was available at 100 to 1. And mock drafts that included Stingley to go number three were out there. You might see some of the books still crying about losing, but they have to do it every year because the demand is there. Otherwise, they're going to end up losing customers if they don't have markets available for the NFL draft. Since it's draft weekend, let's start with the NFL. And pro football focuses Eric Eager, a friend of BetQL Daily. Eric made a bundle on Quay Walker going on night one. He has a story to share. We started with his day one takeaways on BetQL Daily. It was a very interesting night for some of the position totals. You know, you had wide receiver go over five and a half, which was the opening number. Uh, but I believe it didn't go over six and a half, even though five and a half went over in the first 20 picks for the first time in the draft's history. Um, you had offensive linemen go over just barely, and, and it was because uh, the New England Patriots took a guy that is like 150 on everybody else's board. Uh, th- those were interesting. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation, I think, is the biggest takeaway. I, I, last time I was on your show, I thought Malik Willis would, would not only go to Pittsburgh, but I thought that he would have to be a part of a trade. And not only does he fall to Pittsburgh at 20, Pittsburgh takes uh, somebody else entirely, which uh, was really surprising. If you, if you bet under three and a half uh, quarterbacks in round one, that was a pretty easy rocking chair cover. And if you bet under two and a half at plus price, uh, that was a good win for you. Yeah, Eric, you were not alone on that Malik Willis line of thinking with Pittsburgh at 20, and they decide to go in, in a different direction. But if you bet for them to take quarterback, you do hit that wager. Tell us about Quay Walker. What happened there? How many times did you bet it? I felt like as far as betting the draft, this is the prime example of how much more the betting market knows when that closed at 20, 21 and a half, and he goes number 22 overall to Green Bay. Yeah, it's a crazy ride. Like, I mean, we, so we as a part of PFF now, we're in different business units. So it's kind of, it's weird, but somebody in, you know, that I know that works with me in R&D, we produce packets for agents. We produce packets for general manager candidates, right, coaching candidates, so on and so forth. So we've developed a fair amount of like solid relationships. And so one of my colleagues calls me, I think it was Thursday. And he just goes, look, I don't, I've never heard of him until today. Uh, but Quay Walker is going to be a first-round pick. And I'm like, Quay Walker? And so and I'm at the office. I, You know, Chris Collins was in the office, which is really fun this time of year. And I go to Chris. I'm like, who's Quay Walker? He's like, oh, I'll go watch. So Chris watches him for, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Comes back. He's like, yeah, he's a first-round pick. And, and I'm like, okay. But the markets weren't really moving. He was about 225 to go, you know, plus 225 to be a top 32 pick. And he was, his market was 40 and a half, you know, draft position prop. I wake up one day, another colleague of mine who's sort of in on the news says, okay, it's plus 175. And that's when I knew I had to drive to a legal state and get some money down. And so we ended up, I mean, he was 15 to one to be first linebacker. He was two to one by the time I got there to be taken in the top 32. As you said, minus 600 was very close to be a top 32 pick. So again, that is, you know, that that's what's fun about these draft you know, market props because an NFL game doesn't move that much, even with the starting quarterback change. I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, some of the trades we saw uh, Lamar Jackson tweeting. He was not happy that Marquise Brown was traded. How do you think that'll affect him and the Ravens? I think a lot of this is performative um, because 
you know, there were rumors all last week that, that he was, not only was Hollywood Brown going to be traded, but going to be traded to Arizona. And, you know, and it was like, oh, it's going to happen one of the you know, nights of the draft. I'm like, well, it's not happening tonight because he's not worth the first-round pick. And then, of course, he does get traded for pick 23. Um, and, you know, to me, I don't believe that Lamar Jackson didn't know ahead of time. I think he's kind of acting out because of his contract and, uh, you know, and some of the team-building things associated with Baltimore. Um, it, it's very interesting. Baltimore had a great night last night, um, but the starting quarterback for the Ravens not happy with the direction of the team. <laughs> Eric, uh, curious your thoughts on, on the bold moves by the Eagles. First, trading up to get Jordan Davis, a, a player that you've talked about before on the show and how unique he is and what he could do on the defensive line, and then trading a first-round pick and a third to get A.J. Brown. What, what did you make of the Eagles? They're one of the only teams that saw their, their market, Super Bowl odds, division odds move after the you know, round one of the draft. Yeah, I think the betting markets are really, really waiting on Dallas to collapse, and they're looking for one of those other teams to come up and be a, a secondary front runner in that division, and the Eagles certainly did so last night. I mean, A.J. Brown's a player, you know, we had him at his very peak worth about half a win above replacement, and half a win above replacement is worth about $25 million. So the, the contract certainly makes sense. Um, you know, the draft pick compensation is a little high. 18 is a, is a high pick, especially considering, you know, what, what Tyreek Hill and, and Devontae Adams, you know, secured. But he's a younger player. He's a very good player. You know, Jordan Davis helps him do a lot of things on defense. So that, you know, I think that's a good pick as well. It was a very – it was a steep price to trade up. Usually the Eagles don't fall prey to doing that, but they, they certainly felt they had to get in front of Baltimore um, because when you looked at the betting markets for Jordan Davis, it was over 13 and a half was a sharp play. Under 15 and a half was a sharp play, so a lot of people thought he was going uh, to Baltimore. I, I think you have to do this when you have a cheap young quarterback on a rookie deal who's good enough to win with. Now, the question that they're trying to ascertain now with the roster moves they're making is, is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? He's certainly good enough to get them to a wild card and be competitive on a week-to-week -week basis. Is he good enough to win a Super Bowl? If the answer is no, now you have two first-round picks next year. Uh, and you can move up and maybe get CJ, you know, CJ Stroud or somebody like that to be your quarterback of the future. So uh, I would say very definitive move by the Eagles, and it makes things interesting in the NFC. Eric, speaking of teams moving up to get their guy, uh, this one was a surprise with Detroit at 12. They they move up. They said, let's get Jamison Williams. He ends up being the fourth receiver drafted at 12 overall. Uh, they sat there at two, and they got the hometown guy in Aiden Hutchinson, so a top edge rusher and one of the top receivers. What did you think about Detroit's first night? Uh, I think the trade-up was, well, you know, you look at the Jimmy Johnson chart, actually they got more value than the Vikings. Our chart never likes trade-ups that much, so, um, but it was, it was still, like, I think a relatively fair deal to move up. Williams, I think, you know, has the p potential to be a really good wide receiver, and obviously Hutchinson was the top player on our board. Um, you look at that team now, you look at the schedule for Detroit, extremely favorable. You have the Jets and Giants, you have the, the Bears twice, you have the Vikings twice. It's not a terrible slate for them. Um, and, and you look at that offense now, you have, you know, Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker at tackle. Uh, you have Frank Rag now at center. You have uh, TJ Hawkinson, of a top 10 pick at tight end. Uh, Jamison Williams, Aramont St. Brown, DeAndre Swift in the backfield, and Jared Goff at quarterback. You could do a lot worse than that. And so, you know, if I'm going to bet one win total based upon day one of the draft, I'm probably betting Detroit over. In on the Lions. Well, it's going to happen one of these years, right? I'll be there for hard knocks. I've given up recently most years, but I think it's going to be good with Dan Campbell and some of the characters that they're bringing in. 
They were a great against the spread team last year. I believe second best in all of football. Uh, that's as far as I'm willing to go right now. That team did compete on a weekly basis, so you have to give Campbell that. Scott Smith, always in the running for one of the most accurate mock drafts out there. Scott visited BetQL Daily, and we started with his surprise of the draft. Look, the over and under for trades for the first round sat at five and a half, and you saw nine. So that that was an easy hit. But really the big surprise to me was how far down Jermaine Johnson really slid within that first round. You know, the Jets were able to move back up and and get him. So for me, in the way the draft board fell, that would be the biggest surprise. Scott, I was taking a look at your mock draft yesterday, and uh, it looks like you did pretty well. You ended up landing on Hutchinson. A lot of people split in the 48 hours before the draft on whether or not he would go two. And you also had Stingley at three. How did did you land uh, nailing that trifecta there, and what sort of odds did you get on a bet like that? Yeah, that was one of the the bigger uh, hits for me yesterday. Uh, I actually got that line at plus 550, so I was able to cash out on that. You know, I really think it just comes down to the way the NFL is kind of the landscape of the NFL with how important some of these uh, wide receivers and cornerbacks you, you saw, you know, both Stingley and Gardner go go there. I think just the thing with Stingley, when you start looking at it and, and, and where Houston sat at, at three and then again at, at 13, I just thought that the drop-off after Stingley and Gardner was so big compared to what the drop-off there at, at tackle was going to be. And I, I thought, you know, if, if Houston wanted offensive line like they were kind of rumored to with with Aquano and a couple of other prospects, I thought they would be able to get that later on in the draft, which they did with uh, Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. Curious, which teams stand out to you who really won the draft yesterday? Well, I, I think uh, two big teams, and it just it's it's kind of funny because Baltimore always sits tight, and you see players just continue to fall and fall and fall. Ago. Yeah, you know, Kyle, Kyle Hamilton was a guy who, on most scouts and and you know some of the big media. They had him ranked within the top five as a top five prospect. He had a little bit slow, you know, time at the combine and even at his pro day. But if you look at the actual analytics, his own field time is in the upper 80th, 80th percentile for defensive backs with his play speed. So I think he's a player that that I was very impressed to see them go. And then they were linked all throughout this process, like to to go ahead and, and take Tyler Linderbaum at. at I mean, at 14, and I thought that was a little bit early for Linderbaum to go, but for them to trade back, pick up a pick, and then move back and still get him at 25, I think that was a big win for Baltimore. Scott, I have uh, your mock always in the list of sharper mocks that I monitor and check for the updates, and everybody had Malik Willis going 20 to Pittsburgh. What did you think of the Steelers' process? A team, historically, they're not shy about letting people know when they love a player and then they're going to draft said player now, but they let the world know that they love Willis, but they go with the hometown boy and pick it. Yeah. I think the big thing and, and part of the process that I got wrong on this particular pick, because I was one of the ones that did believe they were going to go ahead and take Malik Willis. I think you just got to look at it and really the Steelers and, and the university of Pittsburgh say, share some facilities as far as like their practices and stuff go. So they were in the building and had access to, to do the deepest dive on Kenny Pickett. So with the player that's been there over the last four or five years there in Pittsburgh, and even with the small hands there, he's played in the same atmosphere that he played in college. So I think really that their familiarization with him and just being able to, to be around him and maybe do a deeper dive on Kenny Pickett is the reason why he went to Pittsburgh over Malik Willis. Scott, what'd you make it with the Giants did? Picks five and seven. We already mentioned the Jets. They had a really good night to trade back in for Jermaine Johnson. The Giants have been, you know, pretty much inept at this draft stuff for a while with Dave Gettleman, a uh, new GM in there. Now, what'd you make what they did with uh, Thibodeau and Neal? 
Look, I think a lot of the stuff with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is, was really overblown. The funny part of it is, I think, in, in the end, I think he really wanted to be in New York, whether it be with the Jets or the Giants. That's the market you start looking at, you know, these, these new age college players that are coming off of NIL deals and, and things like that. And I think Kayvon Thibodeau is just in the mold of a Juju Smith-Schuster. He's, you know, on social media. He's got other interests outside of football. So, I think a lot of it was overblown, and I think the Giants absolutely got a steal there as far as, like, upside with Kayvon Thibodeau. Scott, what something we learned last night that you learned that we could take forward, bet in the draft the rest of this weekend, but even next year into the first round, it seemed like the information that came in late was really the, the key information. And uh, some of the props, I mean, Joe mentioned it uh, from the start of our show, there were a lot of easy winners last night. I mean, that, that you mentioned the nine trades, five and a half was the number. I mean, it seems like there are a couple of things there last night that, we might be able to take away for future years. What stood out to you that from a betting perspective, we could look at and say, you know what, let's remember that next time. Yeah. I think from the betting perspective, uh, you can really start to kind of link some of the, uh, some of the news that came out with specifically these new, new GMs. And I'm talking with Nick Casario in Houston and Fontenot there in Atlanta. I, I was pretty honed in on, on both of those teams, specifically going with uh, Derek Stingley and, uh, and Drake London there at eight. Uh, I actually got that at, at plus 550 and was able to hit on that. Um, so I, I think you can kind of start going back. And if you, if you, you know, play it a reverse process, you look at the information that came out look at who reported that information and you connect that to GMs and you use that going forward in your process for next year when you're trying to link up some of these teams and picks. Scott Smith there. Before that, Eric Eager with me on BetQL Daily. Filed that note for darn sure. If you want to take betting on the profitable NFL draft seriously, follow the trends of GMs. Quality stuff there from Scott Smith. Time to hit the ice. I know the Blackhawks haven't given us many reasons to watch this season, but the good teams about to start the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's Monday. 1140, the bets. Lindsey Brown will be here to help us bet it. She's the goods. This is Early Odds. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Score listener line is open 24-7-365 and powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Sports Radio 670. The score. The Stanley Cup playoffs commence in two days. Last day of the NFL draft happening in Sin City. Even though the NFL for years, they didn't want anything to do with Las Vegas. They've got a team there. And now the draft is taking place in Las Vegas. So let's go out there, bring in the superstar of 1140, the bet in Las Vegas. Her name is Lindsay Brown, Lindsay with an E. How are you, Lindsay? I'm doing just fine. It's all sunny and uh, rainbows here in the sports capital of the world. Well, tell me about it. What's uh, what's your week been like as uh, the NFL has just uh, taken over? Uh, it, it's been, a, it's been a full blown experience. You know, we've kind of seen road closures, earlier in the week you know picking up media passes and seeing how this whole event has come together and you still can't really get a full picture of what it's going to be uh until we see scenes like when the draft actually kicks off but just the amount of people and work that have gone into setting up around caesar's forum where uh, our, our media row is where a lot of us are based out of and it's right next to that big stage where they're announcing a lot of the picks and then the stage in which uh like goodell and all the players are out in the fountains I mean, you've got a great viewing gallery. They've shut down that whole part of the strip. I saw people playing catch on this strip. I'm like, we're usually drag racing here, guys. Like, this is just 
something out of a, a little bit of a fever dream, but that's exactly the type of experience we try to create in Vegas. And why not add a side of football? Yeah. I wonder if they're going to come back in just a few years, kind of uh, make some sort of rotation with the draft ever since they decided to branch out from New York. I'm not quite sure how long you've been out there. Uh, you are from the Midwest in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So uh, nobody hold that against her. Okay. But you know, for years it was no NFL. We won't even mention gambling. We're not going to have anything to do with it. And then anything mm -hmm. NFL related apps, TV shows, whatever, you can't get away from the sports betting aspect. And there's that team there and here's the draft. Yeah, it's truly wild. I mean, I've, I've only been here uh, for two and a half years and coming up on three but in just how much it's changed since, you know, I was playing hockey in college and, you know, we weren't even allowed to really do March Madness brackets because then it would be technically, you know, gambling and that's against the rules. And I mean, rules have changed and in collegiate sports, obviously a lot, but then we're talking about gambling and all of this is happening you know, within the last six years. And so I think everybody finally kind of realizing what this town is and that, or maybe it's just giving themselves permission to say what this town can be. And having that imagination, it's truly amazing. And it's been a real treat to have a front row seat to see this, this sports market emerge in these last few years. And we still don't have basketball here, at least in terms of the NBA. We got WNBA, mm. the Aces are dominant. We're expecting a championship run from them. And then baseball's still up in the air too. So it's kind of like, I, I feel weird saying we're the sports capital of the world, but I don't because everybody wants to be here and eventually they will be. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, the Summer League, you've had that long relationship every single year. And that's the next one, it seems like, with baseball. With the Heat, do you think that would impact it? And, and where would you put a stadium? Yeah, I mean, the Heat, you just probably have to put a put a Dumb. roof on the stadium. I, yeah. I'm, they are looking around a property around the South Point Casino, which is off-strip. But almost uh -huh. everybody now that they've seen, you know, the proximity of T-Mobile Arena, which is in between the park and uh, New York, New York, and then Allegiance on the other side of the 15 highway, but still walkable on game days. It's hard to envision a sports stadium, not in a closer proximity to the strip. But then again, uh, parking's always uh, an issue here. So I I'm sure they're not going to have any problem figuring out just where they're going to invest, but it's an inevitability at this point. At least uh, I look. Yeah, no doubt. This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski sports radio, six seventy. the score. So I wanted to bring on Lindsay to talk about the Stanley cup playoffs, preview those, maybe help us with a wager or two. She's on Twitter at Lindsay Brown, 35. Uh, Lindsay, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Can, can you talk about some of the creds and uh, exactly why you know so much about hockey as you uh, cover the golden Knights out there? Absolutely. I mean, I, as you mentioned, I cover the golden Knights uh, for 1140, the bet here. And I, uh, I played goaltender all the way through the collegiate level at, at Ohio state and at St. Anselm college. And so uh, I tend to think I come with a little bit of a different lens, even from those who also played just being, a netminder and basically immersing myself in this game from a very young age. I was an only child. I just wanted to be cool with my dad. And so this is just kind of what we always talked about, what we obsessed about. I made it my, uh, at least my main focus here, at least when the, the draft isn't coming around, but uh, that's basically an overview. Does that suffice? Yeah, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I've noticed that uh, you, you get quite annoyed with, the majority of losses, and we're going to start to see it ramped up even more with these uh, postseason games uh, when all the blame seems to go on one sequence and everything mm. gets blamed on the goaltender. I mean, certainly when the Hawks had their heyday, winning their three cups. The Niemi days or the Crawford days, Joe? Well, I'm thinking Crow. Here. I mean, that, that guy <laughs> would just get killed early on before he won a cup. People didn't even want him playing all the time. 
Yeah, I was definitely one of those people that said I could have played goalie <laughs> for the Blackhawks and probably still won a cup. Plus, slight exaggeration, but you know, it, it's certainly a, a thankless position in so many different levels. And um, it's been a really experience these last couple of weeks in in Vegas because there's a lot of goalie drama. But it's whenever mm-hmm. I think about playoffs, whenever I think about like X factor players or people who I would think about for Con Smythe, this is where the net minder comes in. This is where they make their, the most of their money. This is where this glory is because there's so many cup winning stories that it's a hot goaltender that's stealing games, that's making saves that you never thought before. That's the reason why they get as far as they get. It's not power plays. It's not always the, the PKs and stuff. It's getting the, the big saves in the moments you never thought you, you could get. Okay, so that leads me to my next question. When you're looking at a team that you think can make a run to win their conference or the cup, uh, pre-rex, what are you looking for? Looking at a team, you know what? I think there's value there because of X. Does it uh, begin and end with the goaltender? I mean, it, it's certainly probably an undervalued position group, so there's probably not that much research into it. And so those over-unders are going to be probably something to keep an eye on with those positions and just seeing how guys are running. Because you have tandem net minding a lot in the uh, NHL these days, but that's just a regular season. Like when you get to the postseason, you pick someone or someone emerges and, and chooses them or says, this is my net. Anybody else can basically take a, take a number, but you can kind of see how mentality goes with them. If they're letting goals in early in games or if they're getting high volume shots, like you can just kind of see how their personality is coming out and they make the saves and it'll be indicative of how they're going to perform probably in the next contest. Let's start over in the West. Uh, Blackhawks not in. Your Knights nope. not not in. But uh, nope. so let's take a look at the rest of the conference. What are some teams that really stand out? If you look at the top of the odds board, of course mm-hmm. the Avs are your favorite at plus one forty. Then come in the Flames at plus three hundred. Bit of a drop off. You warned me about the Wild. Things are uh, looking pretty good. What do, I, what do you mean warning you about? the wild I, I like the wild as a dark no I, I mean warn me as like hey you better get in on this oh yeah yeah absolutely I, I think there's so much favoritism going towards the avalanche for good reason but they've also been a team that's supposed to have made the cup final for what three straight seasons and they haven't been able to get out of the second round and a lot of that has been their lack of depth scoring they're so overly reliant on the Nathan McKinnons on the on the Rontans on the Nathan McKinnon uh, on the Landis gods and a big reason why they, I think, got into trouble last year is that Nazem Kadri, who's had a career year and a contract year during the regular season, he hit Justin Falk unconscious uh, during their first round matchup, was suspended for like six or seven games, and that ate into the, uh, the Golden Knights series. And so when you see like a middle six forward like that, and he wasn't scoring at that point at, at this rate that we've seen, but you just think about, well, those minutes have to go somewhere. Those stops and starts have to go somewhere. Those block shots have to go somewhere. And, and so the diversification is certainly a concern with the Colorado Avalanche once they get into the playoff mode. Calgary, I'm not as concerned about it because they're not really supposed to be as good as they are this year, and yet here they are. And so they mm-hmm. can kind of buy into their own juice, buy into the, the Johnny Gaudreau career year. And they've had excellent goaltending all season long with Jakob Markstrom uh, has led the league, I think, in, in shutouts for the majority of the season. And so they play with a chip on their shoulder. Daryl Sutter, who's the head coach there, won two cups with the LA Kings. Uh, I'm sure that'll end up meaning something because maybe they'll play the Kings in the, in the first couple rounds and uh, being in the same division and everything. That comes with a certain type of playing style and commitment to the hard-nosed hockey. And I, I think that the 
flames are equipped to do that besides their top line. That's where they're dangerous, really rush heavy. In the mid tier over in the West, I mentioned the wild eight to one Oilers also in that range, then come the Blues 12 to one in the conference. Anything appealing? I mean, I, I hate taking the Oilers just because I haven't, they haven't proven to me that they can make that adjustment into the playoff hockey. I mean, they got absolutely embarrassed last year in the first round, but the thing is Minnesota and St. Louis, we know are going to be playing each other. That's one of the matchups that we know is coming. And when it comes to be uh, the pick between Minnesota and St. Louis, I mean, there's so much history between these two teams with divisional rivals. I, I really like Minnesota for a lot of reasons. And most of the reasons are names, Krill, Kaprizov, Marc-Andre Fleury, but they've also suffered an injury to their captain, Jared Spurgeon. That makes me really nervous. The Wild were a team that also kind of got swallowed up by the Golden Knights last year, but maybe that was just a lot of young legs uh, kind of getting their first taste. But the St. Louis Blues are a playoff season team and one that has, you know, taken a step back since they won their cup in 2019. And so I think they're looking to get back to that respectability, looking to make a deep run. And Ryan O'Reilly is about as textbook of a playoff hockey player that you can build for a prototype. So it's just around goaltending for, for that team. And that's been very inconsistent this season, but it's hard for me to bet against Jordan Bennington when he's got a chip on his shoulder and a must win game scenario. In the NBA playoffs, a lot of people talked about uh, the Miami Heat having an easy path, and it looks like they're going to have a walk to the Eastern Conference Finals in the, after the next round. H- how tough is it to project path with the NHL, and, and do you consider that much? Um, projection is a word that I basically don't use in the playoffs. It's so yeah. freaking hard to make any sort of long-term pick like that because it's such a different game. These guys are playing with punctured lungs, with broken legs, with torn ACLs. Like all of those injury reports have come out after teams have been eliminated in the last few seasons. They do it. They figure out a way. And so it makes me nervous because you're not really ever sure who's going to be out because you can see all oh, they're clearly not going to be playing for the next game. And then boom, they're there. But I, I truly take it at a game by game, series by series basis. And it can change on, on any given night because Who's to say that your confidence isn't shaken if you throw 50 shots on net and the, and the goaltender saves all of them? That changes my mentality for the next game. Uh, before we move over to the east side, any value, any potential there with the Preds, Stars, or Kings? I would have said a pre- the Preds a week ago. I would have really liked to pick the Preds about a week ago, but UC Soros, their starting netminder, had to be helped down the tunnel a few nights ago. I don't think it's like anything crazy public yet, but I think it's going to be a, a longer-term injury. And they're a team that cannot win with David Riddick as their setting netminder. And it looked like he took a rough spill last night as well. And so the Nashville Predators to me are kind of down and out, but they are a very physical hockey team. And so they can maybe bully ball their way in. Dallas Stars are always sneaky. I, I really like Jake Ottinger as a, as a netminder. And I like young talent that doesn't really know what to be afraid of yet. And so if you're looking for like a darker pick on the Western Conference side and you're looking wildcard, I'd pick Dallas over Nashville. Lindsay, over in the Eastern Conference, it's much different. It is mm-hmm. more balanced. You have the Panthers as a favorite at plus 275. Then at 5-1, to one, you find the Lightning, Maple Leafs, Hurricanes. Then there's that next tier, the Bruins and Rangers at 8-1. to one. And the longer shots are the Pens and Caps. What really stands out there? I've been really vibing with the Rangers all year, and they've cooled off in the last couple uh, couple of months. But I really like Gerard Blount as a goalie coach. Igor Shosturkin, 
uh, is certainly going to be one of those names for, for Vesna finalists. He's an unbelievable goaltender. And they have so much scoring on their special teams. Like Chris Kreider is batting pucks out of, I swear, like center field home run hitters sometimes. And Adam Fox, who their defenseman, who won the Norris Trophy for best defenseman last season, has a lot to do with that as well. They have Panarin, who's on the wing. They have Mika Zibanejad, who's literally one of my favorite players to watch. Just in terms of style, he whips pucks in uh, at the net from anywhere and is such a really good skater. And so they're kind of my they're kind of my middle tier dark horse pick, but it's hard because if you get kind of punched in the mouth early on in the series, it's easy for them to kind of go down and out. But Pittsburgh is obviously a good pick too in a lot of ways because they are really good on the road. They block a ton of shots and create offense in the way that is probably the most fruitful during the playoffs. And Sid the Kid and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang's got to make one more good run, right? There's one more mm-hmm. left in there. It sounds like you think the East is much more wide open. Everything's wide open to me at, yeah, at this point. True. A lot of it comes down to Florida and 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 the Panthers and and seeing if they're able to show what they have in the last couple of regular seasons in the playoffs. Because last year, you know, they were challenging. I, I picked them last year to win against Tampa Bay in the first round. That was obviously a bad choice, but. Uh, Tampa's a lot more vulnerable this year. They had to hemorrhage a lot more talent due to the expansion draft. And, you know, Vasilevsky has been a little bit more shaky this regular season, but, you know, I've never seen a netminder more like lights out game seven in the playoffs. Like he, it's not just that he wins it, they're shutouts. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, I, I'm going to lean lightning until Florida shows me otherwise. And it's just, it's going to be probably who scores the most goals. Everybody's going to have to make a prediction, but going into it, and this could easily mm-hmm. change uh, during the playoffs, what would you go with? Who's going to be uh, the two left at the end? At the end? Oh, my goodness, Joe. This is such a tough pick. I, like, what, who I think will do it or who I want to do it? Like, for the get, fun get, Give me – let's do both. Who you think's going to win? Who would you like to see in the end? And, you know, maybe some betting options. So, some longer okay. shots. Like, you talked about, you know, Rangers or Pens possibly making a run. Sure. Okay, I'll go, like, if I'm going to go for realsies, I'll go Avs and probably Tampa. And then for a darker horse, I'll go Calgary Rangers. And then for betting for, like, upside, ooh, Joe, now I'm starting to get creative. Now I'm trying to think of these things. I'll go, like, Washington, if they can just rely solely on Alexander Ovechkin. And uh, well, L.A. for the Dustin Brown retirement send-off. Something that I think is the best part of the playoffs, and you'll disagree, but I'm just saying from a betting perspective is when you have all these series going on at the same time and mm. put, putting together a couple series winner parlays. Yeah, I mean, I've never actually done that before, but that sounds like a super fun activity. You need to. You need, uh, I know. Yeah, I, I need to learn how to bet in hockey. Maybe it would help me out. <laughs> yes, let's, let's make some money with all this knowledge. Uh, any, Seriously. Na- any names to keep on your mind for Con Smythe as the playoffs move along? Uh, we mentioned, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's your, your uh, um, Connor McDavid's if they can get out of the first round. I like Matthew to Chuck for Calgary. To, if they make a deep run, probably Roman Yossi. If it's for Nashville, Joe Pavelski for Dallas. Look at the Eastern Conference. I don't know how they can go anywhere if Mitch Marner doesn't show up, even though Austin Matthews is the one that runs the party. Uh, Huberto or Barkov with Florida. Rangers, we've already talked to a couple of people. Uh, Carolina. Jacob Slavin is going to be probably a guy who's not always involved with points, but he's their top defenseman and eats up a lot of minutes. 
um, and their goalies, their goalies are great. I'm pretty sure they, they won the Jennings trophy and then Boston Marchand. I hate it, but he always shows up in playoffs and it drives me insane. My hockey guy told me, he's like, don't bet on Florida plus 550. Just take Barkov 25 to one. If they're going to yeah. win it, he's going to get the cons Mike. Yeah. Yep. That's a hundred. That's, that's, that's some good advice there. Lindsey Brown out in Las Vegas, 1140. The bet check her out. I drop by her show every single Tuesday. Thank you, Lindsey. Always a pleasure, Joe. Oh, thanks for having me on. Actionable information there from Lindsay, and she's down for making some early odds appearances throughout the postseason, so I'm really looking forward to that. Give her a Twitter follow, at LindsayBrown35. Quite entertaining. She's always posting some ridiculous videos. Always fun jumping on her show on Tuesdays. The White Sox have our guy Jim Miller on edge. MLB and Kentucky Derby notes. It's next Saturday. Jim is next. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Bet minute by minute, lightning fast. Instant NBA lightning bets are now available. Choose the outcome of the next play, next point, and more to stay in the madness all game long. And now during the NBA playoffs, get your first bets risk-free up to $2,000. Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Welcome back to Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on Sports Radio 670. The score, our weekly contributor from PointsBet and Hawthorne Racecourse. His name is Jim Miller on Twitter at Hawthorne Jim. What's going on, Jim? What's going on, Joe? One week away from Kentucky Derby, so we're almost there. Monday they draw the race, so then we'll know the field and you can start putting those wagers together. But it's been a little chaotic, Joe, just with movement of who's even in the 20 to get into the entry box. So this is going to be a very interesting race. Yeah, why don't we start there? We'll get to some baseball. But what do we need to know seven days out from the Derby? Well, here's the most important thing you need to know is who's in the top 20 right now. In midweek this week, there was a little bit of change because Morello came out of the field. This was a horse that was racing in New York and racing okay until that most recent start. So it came out of the field midweek which put horse number 21, Pioneer of Medina, into the field. And then Pioneer of Medina was in the field for all of about five hours because the connections of Classic Causeway, a horse who said that they were off the Derby Trail, all of a sudden said that they're back on the Derby Trail, and this was a horse that had enough points to get in. So what it does, it created a little bit of confusion, one for the connections of Pioneer of Medina because they're at Churchill Downs preparing for the race, but then you wonder what happened with a horse like Classic Causeway, Joe, because this was a horse that raced really well at Tampa Bay Downs earlier on in the spring, then tried the Florida Derby and finished dead last in that race. So I tend to think the trainer said, hey, we're not a Derby candidate. We're not going to be in this race. We're not going to be competitive. I think the owners trumped the decision of the trainer and said, well, we have enough points. I want that Kentucky Derby experience. I want the walk over to the paddock. I want to be a part of this field. I want to be in the race. But it's very curious because that's one of those horses that when right is really good, but man, that horse was really not good last out, but it's created a lot of confusion for the Sturby field. So if you look at the odds right now, a lot of the horses that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks right here on early odds, uh, the favorite epicenter around five to one, there's Taiba Zandon, no surprises, but I don't recall seeing Messier. Why have the odds been dropping there? And that's the thing that's really interesting with Messier, and I think it's because Messier has yet to head east. This is a horse who got a workout on the 23rd of April, but it was at Santa Anita, so still staying on the West Coast. It was a good workout. The horse has a lot of ability, 
But Messier is a horse that I think they're just kind of waiting to see what happens. And they may just ship into Churchill Downs, stretch their legs over the track, and then try to run in the race. But Messier is a very good-looking racehorse. He's large in size. He's fast from the gate. And like we talked in previous weeks, Joe, there's not a whole lot of speed in the Derby. And many of the Derbies are won by horses that race either on or near the lead. And Messier is a horse with that running style. So I think this horse is being completely overlooked right now. We'll do a full breakdown next week. We should get into this now, actually. Uh, the Oaks, uh, since yep. we won't be on the air until Saturday morning. Uh, there was some change with the Oaks uh, with Nest, correct? I think it's I saw it go from 7-1 to one down to 4-1. to one. Yeah, and that was a little bit interesting, too, because a lot of it is when you get talk about workouts coming into the race. And when a horse works really well leading into the race, everybody kind of gets the buzz about it. And this has moved horses multiple points leading into the Oaks and leading into the Derby. And the Kentucky Oaks, much like the Kentucky Derby, Joe, you can pre-wager this race. Odds come out early. There's a lot of change in these odds as you do get closer. But those final workouts change so much. So I'm going to be curious to see. A horse like Kathleen O is going to be very good in the Oaks. That's a horse that I think is going to be a factor. But, yeah, all it takes is one workout, a little bit of buzz about that, a lot of chatter. And everybody's talking about a horse. Yeah, Nest, the second favorite at the moment. That is a Todd Pletcher horse. So you get a name like that involved, and right. the steam tends to run wild. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. We'll get to the horses today in a moment. My guest here, Jim Miller, points bet and Hawthorne Racecourse. Jim, your White Sox, I can just tell by the activity on Twitter, you're not feeling <laughs> so hot. The division odds have been going down, and this is a new development. You know, throughout that elongated losing streak, they were still around minus 200 for the division right where they opened the season. But then as that thing was coming to a close, now we're starting to see the adjustment from sports books. I see the White Sox as low as minus 155 to win the Central. But here's something that I do think is notable. We all remember the White Sox win total opened the season. The consensus was 91 and a half. Some had it a little bit higher, right? Paying that local tax. But some uh, repost win totals every Monday. And the adjusted win total I saw for the White Sox this past Monday was 88 and a half. And I think that's about right, Joe. And I talked about this before the season. I was pushing everybody to bet the under in 91 and a half, to bet the under when some places were posting it as high as 93 and a half. And you do see that number coming down. And I'm not saying they're not going to win the division. I do think they can still win the division and should win the division. But it might be one of those teams that has, say, 87, 88 wins and wins the division. The eight-game losing streak definitely didn't help. Their schedule coming up here over the course of the next month is not easy by any means. We talked about the Twins being a factor. The Twins are only 3-1 to one right now to win Guardians. the division. So Guardians. Things have changed. You guard, well, you've talked about the Guardians. We <laughs> talked about Jose Ramirez time and again. I know. He's you said that 10-1 tw- in the MVP yeah. race. Yeah. I. If you're going to jump in and make a play now, as short as that Twins number is, and, and it should be shorter where they sit right now, but don't you have more trust in the Guardians with what they've done offensively? Yeah. Historically, that's always the issue with the team, and they probably have enough pitching. They definitely have enough pitching. We know that. And that's the thing about it. Pitching can win you a lot of ball games. You just need a little bit of offense. And seeing what Stephen Kwan was doing at the start of the season has definitely helped. Jose Ramirez is Jose Ramirez again. This is a guy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago and again last week. He's got 25 RBIs. He's still hitting the ball. He's still getting opportunities. And again, when the Sox aren't playing well, oh, you're okay. We said we thought 
the Tigers were a little bit overrated, and we're seeing that right now. They're last uh-huh. in the division, and you're looking at the odds to, for the opportunity to win the division. They're upwards of 10 to 1 right now. The Guardians have a lot of pitching, and if that pitching stays healthy, they're going to be very, very tough. I'd be surprised if the White Sox run away with this one, especially if you look at some of the stretches they have in the first half with the schedule. I mean, these are some games that they should be winning. We know they're, they've been down a couple of starters. Don't worry, uh, Cueto's coming to save the day, though. <laughs> it's scary when you're talking about Cueto <laughs> to replace Vince Velasquez possibly in the rotation. But here's the thing, Joe, and you did mention it. Their schedule gets tough. It's all about shopping prices. If the Sox continue to play poor baseball, for say another 30 days, say they play 500 baseball or even a couple games above or below these odds on winning the division may trickle even a little bit more in the White Sox favor yeah. where you might be able to, to grab a little bit of value. But the first half schedule, it was easy early on and they didn't do a good job with it, but it's not that easy here and out. Figuring out how to time the market. That's what it's all about. OK, we uh, talked some horses earlier. What about the horses today? Yeah, horses today at Hawthorne, and you definitely have to watch the weather because some horses like an off-track more than others, but weather could be a factor. So I'm picking three horses that'll be good on an off-track at Hawthorne. So race number five, bet the five-horse Summer Bell to win. Race seven, bet the seven, Jets the Ginnin across the board. And race eight, bet the two, Honey Mug across the board. All horses there would be really good on an off-track, Joe. It's tough this far out. Can't really predict. The meteorologists have a tough time one day out. But any word on uh, the weather next weekend? So far, we look, we're looking okay. And the one thing about Churchill Downs is that track drains extremely well. So unless it's raining at the time of the race, you yeah. basically need three or four hours for that track to dry out. I would plan on a fast track for Derby, and we'll see what happens. Beautiful. Jim Miller, Hawthorne Racecourse and Points Bet. Thank you, Jim. We'll talk next week. We'll do wall-to-wall Derby coverage, all right? I'm ready for it, Joe. We're getting ready to make some money. Good stuff from Jim as always, and this will be your spot next Saturday morning for tons of Kentucky Derby betting angles. Never stops. You guys know this by now. NBA's conference semis start tomorrow. Stanley Cup playoffs on Monday. Baseball's about to enter month number two. And speaking of baseball, we've got Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw next on The Score. Talk during the week on BetQL Daily. 8 to 11 a.m. on the Odyssey app, Twitch, and 105.9 FM HD2, and my Tuesday through Friday hits on all the shows here on The Score. I'm on Twitter by my name, at Joe Ostrowski, at Joe Ostrowski. Make sure to cash those tickets this weekend and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 